Did you see our new sign out front? That's a good thing to have, and uh, it's a blessing. I'm going to start today by saying something that I have not been able to say for a very long time, and I might not be able to say again for a very long time, and that is that both the Trojans and the Bruins won yesterday, huh? (laughs) And the Dodgers won. Good day for L.A. sports, so that's good. And Iowa State, all right, there you go. That's my hometown team. And uh, so uh, now that we got that out of our system, let's turn our attention to the text, to God's Word. We are continuing our study in the book of Acts. And uh, let me do just a minute of review because I think it helps begin to focus our minds on how this is so applicable. What we have seen recently in this book is that the early church experienced change in ministry where they were going from being a basically a Jewish religion to Christianity where Gentiles are accepted into the faith. And they are in a time of transition in leadership where Jesus was on earth leading and guiding them to now the Holy Spirit lives in them to lead and guide them. And now today, as we look at Acts 15, what we see them dealing with is a difficult decision of whether or not to require those who place their faith in Jesus to be circumcised. And so when we think about uh, what we see happening in Acts, where we see change in ministry and transition in leadership and difficult decisions, it's not so hard for us to imagine, right? That as a church, these are many of the same things that we are dealing with. And so just as the early church, we are seeking to understand and to know God's will so that we can carefully discern how God is leading us. And I find great hope and comfort in one of the verses towards the end of this passage in Acts 15 that I'm going to ask us to read together. It's the first half of Acts 15, 28. And so it'll be on the screen here, and I just think this is such a wonderful verse for us today, and it gets us focused on God's Word. So let's read Acts 15, 28a together. Okay, are we ready? For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. What a verse, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, for us to have that, conf- that kind of confidence that, the, that we are on the same page as the Holy Spirit. Is that not what we want, not only for our church, but for our own lives? To have that sense of confidence that we can know that this is God's will, and what seems good to us seems good to the Holy Spirit, and what seems good to the Holy Spirit seems good to us, and we progress as we seek to discern God's will for our lives, to follow His leading and directing. And so our prayer for today, as we look at God's Word uh, together, is that the Holy Spirit would lead us so that we can say with the same kind of confidence, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Let's go before the Lord and ask him to do that exact same thing. Father God, now as we pause and we just uh, prepare to 
look at the word, your words, to receive it for our own lives. We pray that you would come and you would minister to us. Turn our hearts and our minds to you that we would be able to receive from you what you have for us today. And we ask for your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Already today, you have made several decisions. You made the decision to come to church this morning. That's a good decision. You could have laid in bed all day or lay on the couch eating Cheetos. That is Kevin from our youth group, which he is here today, so he made a good decision. In fact, I took that picture this morning, so if he has Cheetos stuff on his shirt, you know why. But you made a decision to get, uh, get dressed this morning. That was definitely a good decision. What you were to wear... In fact, I am sure that for some of you, what to wear was a bigger decision than others. Some of us get dressed in the dark, and some of us spend all kinds of, is this? And now I I realize I'm speaking stereotypes here, but chances are the women spend more time in that decision-making process than the men. But we make all kinds of decisions, normal, everyday, oftentimes fairly, what seem to be fairly small decisions But then in our lives, every once in a while, and Brianna talked about this this morning, we are faced with major decisions, big decisions. And the reason we know that they are major and big decisions is because they affect not only us, they affect those around us. And as followers of Christ, we understand that these are major decisions because not only do they uh, affect us in our relationships, but our hope and our prayer is that it is that w- the decisions that we make are used for the advancement of God's kingdom. That we want to know God's will so that uh, His work can be done in our lives and that we can make an impact in the world in such a way that it'll last beyond what we just have right around us right now, but it'll make a difference for all eternity. And so with that in mind, I, have, I think we can say with great confidence that God wants us to seek His will on major decisions. And the Christian word for seeking God's will is discernment. It's a word we're going to emphasize today, the idea of discernment. Discernment is not only just to make a good decision with our own uh, wisdom, discernment is to discern God's will, to understand how He is directing and guiding our lives. Patricia Loring, a Quaker theologian, describes discernment as the gift of distinguishing God's work and guidance within the human heart from other motivations is called discernment. And so we are seeking God's leading, His work and guidance within us. Not just our own motivations, though those motivations may be good and healthy and, and innocent and pure, but, but they might not necessarily be God's will for our lives. And so, when, so we are starting here with the underlying assumption that it is God's will It is God's desire for him to reveal his will to us, to guide us and help us in life. That's one of the main messages of the Bible. 
And then when we look at the Bible, I actually think what we are going to look at here in Acts 15 is one of the most helpful, if not the most helpful passages that I know of in all of the Bible to give, to give us guidance and principles of how we can discern God's will for our own lives. So let's look at this passage. It's really all of Acts 15, so we are not going to take the time to read all 41 verses, but I'm going to read a little bit at the beginning, and then some at the end, and I'll fill in the details in between. We're starting here, Acts 15, verse 1. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter." Okay, so that's the situation. That's the context around which they are seeking to discern God's will. Up until this point, all of those who were followers of Jesus had come from the Jewish tradition. And so when someone placed their faith in Jesus, they did not see them as entering into another religion. They simply saw them in line with the Jewish faith as accepting the Jewish Messiah. But now all of a sudden there are Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus by the droves, tons of them. And so this this, kind of complicates things and there's a lot of dissension in the church. Do all of these uh, Gentile believers need to be circumcised? And many of the Christians at that time says, of course they do. That's been our tradition for thousands of years. But the Gentiles say, no, we are placing our faith in Jesus, not in Moses. Why would we have to uh, go through that practice? And so there is a council that is set up. We call it the Jerusalem Council. Paul and Barnabas are chosen to go down and meet with the apostles and the other church leaders, and they are gathered together to discern God's will about this one specific uh, issue. Will they make all the followers of Jesus be circumcised or not. It's no, it's no small task to undertake. Now let me jump ahead to, uh, to basically where we have their conclusion. Acts 15, 24. Uh, I'm going to read 24 through 29. This is, a, just to give you context, what I'm reading now from is a letter that they have written once they've reached their conclusion. It's a letter that will be passed out to all the churches. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord. That's a beautiful statement right there. It has seemed good to us, 
having come to one accord to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same thing by word of mouth, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. And so the conclusion that they have come to is that these Gentile believers do not need to receive the circumcision that has been uh, commanded in the Old Testament law. The important thing to point out here is that they reach a conclusion. That they met together and they were able to discern God's will. Paul Anderson, a professor at George Fox University, says, If Christ is alive, he desires to lead his church. If Christ desires to lead his church, his will should be sought. If his will can be sought, it can be discerned. And if it can be discerned, it deserves to be obeyed. See, right there in that quote, we have guiding principles for our church and for our lives individually. That God is alive and he does desire to lead us. And his will can be known. It can be discerned. And when God speaks to us and guides and leads and directs us, he deserves to be obeyed. God's will is not meant to be secretive. That does not mean that it's easy. Brianna talked about how she had to seek the Lord's direction for some time. But it is God's desire to lead us, to guide us. And so we are called to be sensitive to have what Paul calls the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has understand for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit living in us, we have the mind of Christ that God can direct us so that we can, as we said, be on the same page as the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We can know the will of God. What we see now in Acts 15, and this is where we're going to get to some application. This is, we now have a good understanding of the background. I want us to look at how the early church discerned the Lord's will because this is helpful for us as we wrestle with uh, decisions within our own lives and within the life of our church. What are some principles for discerning God's will? Well, the first thing I want to say is to get wise counsel. To get wise counsel. You notice here in this passage that the believers that are chosen for the Jerusalem council are chosen very specifically. We have them meeting, we have Paul and Barnabas meeting with the church uh, elders and, and the apostles. These are godly people that have Uh, godly wisdom. And this applies to our lives as well. 
One of the most natural things for us to do when we're facing decisions is to get other people's opinions and perspectives. Here's my challenge. Make sure you get good, godly, wise counsel. There's all kinds of people that'll have an opinion for you and what you should do. But there are some who are very sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. There are some who have really been transformed by the Holy Spirit in their lives so that they think through things in a slightly different way. It is one thing to have human wisdom and understanding. It is another thing to have godly wisdom and understanding. And so what we're saying here is to get wise counsel. Oftentimes that's just done in an everyday conversation, right? You call up someone, you pull someone aside... Once in a while, that is done even in a group process. That's why we've got leadership teams and ministry teams at the church, because there is, there is wisdom when we gather wise counsel together. When I was wrestling with the decision of to be the, whether the, it was the Lord's will for me to be the lead pastor at West Covina Christian Church, uh, I gathered a group of, it was about six people that I really trusted people that I felt like were sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, people that didn't have an agenda for my life. In other words, they didn't want me to either be the lead pastor or not to be the lead pastor, but who, could gather, who we could gather together and seek to discern the Lord's will together. And that was for the purpose of trying to get wise counsel. Notice how Paul and Barnabas are greeted with the early church here, it says, verse, verses 3 and 4 describes them as full of joy and they welcome one another. I think that that attitude is crucial for us, even within our church. That when we come together, we do not come together, especially when it's coming together to discern the Lord's will, with the idea that this person is opposed to me, and this person is with me. No, we welcome everyone together, not with a combative spirit, but with the hopeful expectation that God is going to speak to us, that it is God's will to unite us together around the common understanding of what is from the Lord. That's what we see here in Acts 15. Even those that had differences of opinion, they greeted one another and welcomed one another with it says that they were full of joy and their attitudes were key in this process. If we are to be united as, a, as the body of Christ and even within our own individual lives, if we are to understand God's direction, so much of it depends on do we come with the right attitude? Are we coming full of joy and hopeful expectation to hear from the Lord? Or are we coming with our heels duck in to say, I'm going to win the argument? Winning the argument is not the, is not the goal. Discerning the Lord's will is always the goal. And so how is God leading and directing us? The first point is to get wise counsel. FYI, I know that we're in the middle of all this... Don't read it. I'm not saying that we are not doing this, okay? <laughs> this is just, I think these are helpful things. And so uh, this is just encouragement to us. Now, point two is a mistake on the handout. I did a typo. It's not being, it's begin by 
telling stories. Begin by telling stories. That's what we see here in this passage. Paul and Barnabas begin by telling stories of how the Gentiles have been, have become, are coming to faith. And they tell about what God has been up to. Jan Wood, a Quaker theologian, advises, start with the narrative of the group's process to this point. The group needs to hear how God has worked so far. This storytelling is very important. When we gather to uh, discern God's will, this is where we should start. Simply start by telling stories. How have we gotten to the point where we are at? What have been the open doors and the closed doors? And as we begin to just tell what has been going on in our lives, our eyes are beginning to be opened to what God is doing all around us, to what God has been up to in our lives. And then after Paul and Barnabas tell their stories, verse 5 it says, And the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them in order to keep, with the, to keep the law of Moses. Sometimes we hear the word Pharisees and we all automatically assume bad guys. Whatever they say is no good. I actually think what the Pharisees do here is quite helpful. They basically narrow the issue down and give them something specific to work on. And that is so helpful. If we can narrow it down, God, what are you calling us to? And then to discern it going forward from that point. I've been in so many meetings where we are all over the place. That's a very frustrating thing. But to be able to discern God's will, we define the issue, and then we seek to understand what is God doing in this. Okay, so now that we've begun to tell stories, what is the third thing? The third principle is to listen carefully. To take time to listen. What I mean by this is to take time to listen to the Holy Spirit both within what others are saying and within ourselves. Because oftentimes when we sit and we listen, that is when we begin to get a sense of how is God directing me. Listen carefully is kind of found between the lines, so to speak, in Acts 15. But I really see it here in verse 7 when it says that there was much debate. In other words, they were there for a long time listening to one another. One commentator gives us some perspective on this. The Acts passage describes much discussion regarding the ultimatum presented by the Judaizers. It does not describe shouting and quarreling, nor does it record attacks against the spirituality of the Jerusalem leaders Instead, it appears the two sides spoke to each other with love and respect. They are the foundation of relationships in the culture of God. Humility and gentleness are marks of a spirit-filled citizen of the kingdom. I think this quote is spot on. This is what we see happening here. This is part of the reason they were able to discern the Lord's will so clearly is because they were listening to one another. And as they listened to one another, they listened to the Holy Spirit through one another and the Holy Spirit within their own hearts. And then Peter, 
If anyone should have been ready to speak and had everyone's attention right from the beginning, it would have been Peter. But notice it says that Peter has listened for a long time before he gives his perspective. I think that there is some wisdom in what Peter is doing here. He is seeking to, in the quietness of his own heart, he is seeking to hear what God is saying. As Proverbs 18.13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is, the, it is his folly and shame. You see, as a church, it is easy to run ahead and not to take time to listen to the Spirit. In fact, this is the reason why we are having a town hall meeting. We want to, do a, we want to make sure we're doing a good job at listening to one another. This is our heart among the vision team. Even as the vision team met uh, met this past week, they asked me to emphasize that they are available to answer questions at any time. So Brianna that spoke is on the vision team. Darren is on the vision team. Bob, Jessica, Jose, and Kenichi. And we are seeking to understand God's leading and God's will. But that does not mean that we have everything figured out. It is our heart's desire to do point three, to listen carefully so that we can hear from the Lord and we can be directed by his spirit. Acts 15.12 gives us uh, an interesting point in the, in the story. It says that, that then as Paul and Barnabas begin to speak, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to them. In other words, there seems to be something special happen. Have you ever been there when you think all of a sudden there is just a stillness over the room, over our own hearts, and all of a sudden we realize what is being said is of the Lord? And that's what we see happening here in the early church. I quoted Jan Wood a second ago. Let me give another quote. Give God a chance to communicate Often we talk about listening to God, but we don't give God a chance to get any words in edgewise. Give God the same listening courtesies that you would give to anyone else. Be attentive, be quiet, receive. And I challenge us to apply that not only in our our church, but in our own lives as well. To let God get some words in edgewise. To take time to listen to what he is speaking to us. I was really challenged by, <clears throat> excuse me, I was really challenged by Brianna's heart lesson of sitting before the Lord just silently for an hour, seeking to hear from the Lord and then daily putting it before him to give God uh, the chance to speak to us because oftentimes he speaks to us in those still quiet ways. The fourth principle we have here, first is get wise counsel. Second, begin by telling stories. Listen carefully. And now, fourthly, test your conclusions. That's what James does. He, After all has been discussed, James basically begins to test what the, conclu- the conclusion that has been reached. In verses 13 through 24, we see that he puts forth the conclusion. And basically what he is doing is he is saying, are we all in agreement here? Is there peace? And then he quotes Scripture. He quotes uh, Amos 9, 11, and 12. And so these are tests to see if what they have decided lines up 
with the Word of God. This idea, uh, this idea of tests, testing, is very important in the discernment process. In fact, I've learned some tests that I want to share with you from uh, the Quaker tradition. And, so, and the reason I got turned on to this is because Quakers are one that throughout, throughout their history, they have oftentimes been able to hear from God in ways that many others have not because they've developed these patterns of discernment. Many of you are very familiar with World War II internment. It was the Quakers who, more than any other Christians, not only helped those, the Japanese Americans who were interned at that time, but many of them moved into camps, and many of them advocated for them long after the war was over. And the, and the Quakers were fairly unique in this. There were others, but as an organization, it was the Quakers who oftentimes were at the front end of being able to uh, stand against the injustices that were being done. And I asked uh, one of our members of our church one time if, uh, he, who was interned during World War II and if he remembered any Christians being in the camps. Dr. Ben Hara said, yes, I, I remember seeing people that were there who clearly did not have to be there. And one time I worked up the courage to ask one of them why she was there. And her response was simply, I'm here to serve you in the name of Jesus. See, it would have been much, much easier for the Quakers to say, out of sight, out of mind, I'm not going to do anything about it. In fact, that's what the large majority of not only Americans, but Christians did. But, there were a, but these group of Christians put the decision before the Lord and said, God, we sense that something needs to be done here that there are wrongs that need to be righted, or at least those that are suffering need to be stood alongside with. And they were able to discern God's will in such a unique way that they were able to follow God. And that is our call as a church. It is much easier to ignore the things that are going on around us. It is hard sometimes to take the stand that God is calling us to take, but He is leading and directing us. In fact, He is leading and directing your life. If we have ears that are sensitive to hear the Holy Spirit. And so the Quakers have developed some tests I think these tests are wonderful. If you take nothing home uh, from the sermon today, at least take this home. Here are seven tests that can help us discern the Lord's will. One of the tests they have is the test of love. As they receive direction from the Lord, they test it by saying, is this the most loving thing that we can do? Now, sometimes the most loving thing to do is a difficult thing to do. But that is a good test to sit because God is always on the side of love. Is this a loving thing? In the long run, for those, for maybe even not even for the individual, but for a group of people or however that is tested, but the test of love, the test of the peace of God. Brianna talked about this this morning, that as she... Uh, came to a decision, there was a sense of peace that came over them. In fact, that is exactly why James uh, w 
states back to the people that had gathered. Do we have a peace about this? Because there is a sense of peace when we are in line with God's will. That does not mean that there is no fear. We can sometimes still be afraid of the situation and realize this is going to be very hard and even very risky. But at the same time, we have a sense of peace. Yes, this is how God is leading and directing me. That is one of the best tests when we have a sense of how God is leading. Do I have a peace about it or is there discontent? The third test is the the test of growing concern. In other words, does this seem to just kind of keep rising up within us? I think of West Covina Christian Church. I've been here seven and a half years now. I have been in so many meetings in which we have sought to understand the will of the Lord. And one of the things that just keeps coming up again and again is God is calling us to reach out outside of our walls to be of service to those in the community. Now, we have not necessarily made very good effort along those lines, but the fact that it keeps coming up seems to me that it gives, uh, it gives us confidence that this is the Lord's direction. There is growing concern. Fourth, the test of circumstances or open doors. That is one of the ways we can understand the Lord's will. Is he opening doors or closing doors? Sometimes, God, sometimes we just say, that's not the Lord's will because he has closed doors along those lines. Then there is the test of Scripture. We see that in the passage. Brianna talked about that. How often? This is almost 100% of the time. God almost always uses his word in one way or another to guide us as we seek to discern his will. The test of wise counsel. We've talked about that already. To seek the wise counsel of godly people. People that have spirit-led sensitivity. And then seventhly, the last one, is the test of uniqueness. Does this seem to come from my own understanding or does this seem to have some uniqueness to it that, that there is a sense of the Lord? Now, it's a test. It, it, just because we receive something, it doesn't have to be unique. But oftentimes, if there is a certain uniqueness about it, it gives us confidence. We did not come up with this on our own. This is the Spirit's leading. I see that here in Acts 15. I have, to, I have to think that the majority of people that went into the Jerusalem Council would have thought that the direction they came up with at the end was completely different than the conclusion they came to. But So they, there was this test of uniqueness. Now others could be given. I think those are seven that are very helpful. And so let me give us now our last point for today. And this is the last principle for discerning God's will, and that is to write it down. That's what we see here in Acts 15. After they reached a conclusion, they wrote it down. And then they sent it out to the churches. In verse 31 it says, When they read it, that being the churches, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Writing it down in the discernment process is helpful because A, it can help you weigh things and process things. Brianna talked about making a pros list and a cons list. But also it helps you to solidify the decision in your own heart and mind. Because inevitably, difficult decisions will get difficult along the way. 
And then you need to be able to come back and say, no, the Lord spoke to us very clearly. This is the way that we are called to go. And writing it down helps along those lines. Is there a major decision that you are facing right now in your life? Or maybe I should word it in a different way. What is the major decision that you are facing in your life? God desires to lead you so that you can have clarity in your heart and mind around what is His will. His will can be known. And so I encourage you and challenge you to seek Him and to ask for His direction. Will you trust in His wisdom and seek the mind of Christ? Or will you trust in your own wisdom and seek your own direction? God's wisdom is always best. He knows all and has a perfect plan for your life. Let's pray. Father God, I love this passage because I love the idea that you speak to us and that you will lead us and guide us and direct us. God, I have experienced that in my own life and I rejoice in that. I think we as a church can say with 100% confidence that we have experienced that. And now as the people of God, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us as a church family and as individuals. May we be sensitive to your Spirit's leading. May we follow you and be obedient. May we come to with, uh, together with one another, realizing that we are brothers and sisters who will at sometimes uh, will sometimes have to discern difficult decisions but we have confidence that because of the mind of Christ in us because of the holy spirit's direction leading and guiding us that we can hear from you and we can follow you so we lift up so i want to lift up each person here to you this morning i want to lift up west covina christian church to you and ask and pray that your will would be done in jesus name Amen.